When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wavering is the nothing personal word of the day. Happy Thanksgiving. It is Thanksgiving, and Coca and I are coming to you live. Well, live to tape. Sort of live. It's Thursday morning. Do I have to, like, hold up a newspaper to prove to you we're doing this Thursday morning? It's November 24th, 2022. Good morning. After what is the biggest party night of the year, hope everyone is safe and sound and sleeping, but wake up to the dulcet tones of nothing personal. Wavering. We're not wavering. Wavering is such a great word. It's my favorite word of the day we've had in a long time because it is, if you know what it means, which you, it's a feeling that you have. Forget the definition of the word. We all know the feeling of wavering. Oh, do you want to go out? Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm feeling it. I'm wavering, not sure. That's what it is. It's when you're on the fence. It's when you've got the fence post stuck right up the keister and you can't figure out which way to go. When you're not wavering, that is an expression of definitiveness. I am not wavering. We are doing this. Don't try to talk me out of it because I'm not wavering. Now, if I'm wavering, one little Prick right in the rib, boom, you're on one side or the other. That's why it's so important when you are in a position of leadership, when you say something, you have to not waver. It doesn't mean you have to get it right. You may be on the wrong side of the fence, but you can't waver because people see wavering as weakness. This applies to sports, this applies to business, this applies to relationships. It applies to everything in life. Keep track today, like on Thanksgiving. Here's where everyone's gonna waver today, it's great. One more scoop of stuffing. How about one more black and white cookie? Little cranberry relish, a little kugel. All right, last piece of horse derbies. That's wavering. Then finally you get to the point where you look down and you can't see anything other than the curvature of the earth, which looks like a globe inside your stomach. And you say, I am not having another bite. I can't undo another button. Though 
This is our second post-COVID Thanksgiving. I assume everybody's learned already that you wear the elastic, what you wore on Zooms during COVID. No reason to wear button pants to Thanksgiving, right? And when you wear elastic, it tricks you into thinking you're okay. Hey, this doesn't feel tight. Hey, when I take my pants off, I don't have the marks of my underwear or belt dug into my body. We're good. One more cookie. One more cracker. Piece of pie. <laughs> and then you get to the point where even with elastic pants, you say, that's it. I am not wavering. There will not be another morsel put into my mouth. Not one. So wavering in sports is when you have a coach or a manager. By the way, happy day after your birthday, Jack McKeon. Forgot to put it in the show yesterday. I don't know how. Turned 92 yesterday, Jack McKeon. Now the second oldest manager to win a World Series. He was the oldest until Dusty Baker last month. This month. <laughs> it's not last month. It's November. I'm used to saying the World Series is last month. It's supposed to be October. This month, Dusty Baker became the oldest. But Jack McKeon turned 92 years old yesterday. Spoke to him on the phone. He is sharp as a tack was yelling at me about something. That's how I know he's doing well. Something about young players today or older players today or something. Happy birthday, coach. I will never waver in my love for you. So wavering when it comes to a team is a complicated issue. When you are in the front office, you are leaders of the team. You're looked at by the fans, you're looked at by the media, and you're looked at by players. Where the same way that I've told you as passengers, we look to flight attendants on an airplane during turbulence. And if you see a flight attendant running up and down the aisle with his or her or their head on fire, you get nervous. When you see a flight attendant handing out biscuits during turbulence, you're like, hey, I think we're probably good. That's exactly how it looks to players when front offices panic. The opposite of that is when the players see something wrong with the team and the front office does nothing about it, and then the players lose faith in the front office thinking, how do they not see that we need pitching? How do they not see that we need wide receivers? Do they not realize that we need a three-point shooter? I tell them, but then they don't get one, and then when they get one, he's not good enough. So there's constant looking. It's like in Guantanamo, right? The line with Jack Nicholson, Mana Post, and a few good men were staring down at each other through the barrel of something, through the barrel of expectation, through the barrel of bad media, bad press. We're all looking at each other, the player side and the management side. When you are leading, which all front offices and coaches have to do, you have to be very purposeful in your words. Robert Sala is the coach of the New York Jets, and he is pretty purposeful in what he says. All the way back in August, he had a, he had a line he likes to use, not wavering when describing his view of his franchise quarterback, Zach Wilson, number two pick in the draft, the guy who is going to take over and be the new Joe Namath or the new Richard Todd or the new Mark Sanchez. Take your pick. No matter what was going on in performance, he wanted the defense, the offense, the fans, all to know we're not wavering. He's our quarterback. Fast forward to October 26th of this year, just one month ago. He said the same thing. We're not wavering. Zach Wilson is our quarterback. After a poor performance, 
after a Jets loss. That's when you're asked the questions. When you perform well and the team loses, you can say, hey, it's not my quarterback. When your team wins and your quarterback has a bad game, you get to talk about your defense, your special teams, your run game, whatever you get to talk about. But when you lose and your quarterback doesn't play well, then the conversation has to change. And just yesterday, we did a segment about the change that Robert Sala was thinking about by not naming Zach Wilson the starter yet. Remember those quotes from yesterday? We're not ready right now. We're going to evaluate. We're going to see where we go in the next few days. And I said to you, it's a bunch of absolute horse hockey. When you are the front office, you know exactly what you're doing with your pitching staff. You know exactly what you're doing with your starters. Who's going to play what position? You just can mislead the media so your opponent doesn't know. No problem at all. Easy. Easy peasy. Robert Sala, nothing happened from Wednesday to Thursday, did it? Or Tuesday to Wednesday. I think about that often. How quickly can something change? When you're in the middle of a football season or the middle of a baseball season, you've got a bunch of starting pitchers who you know can start. When you start a rookie, you are making a commitment to start that rookie X number of games. But you say to yourself, if we lose his, him, his mind or his body, we're going to move on. Like a hitter. Remember Jared Kalanick with the Seattle Mariners? They sent him down. He was this top prospect, traded by the Mets, didn't play well. They hung in there, and Jerry DePoto said, we're going to hang in there because he's this close. He's this close, and he held his fingers together. It's like when you type the words this close without a space in between. And his body language is good. His attitude is good. He brings fire to the defense, and he, his speed never slumps, etc. Yada, yada, blada, blada. And then they sent him down. They didn't just wake up one morning and say, that's it. It's planned. You think about, hey, we're going to give him 10 more games. He's got to show signs. We want to see two hard hit balls. We're not playing the result like a squib single doesn't count. We want to see hard hit balls. We want to see an approach. We want to see pitch recognition. You sort of have a list of things you want to see to decide what, what you're going to do with that player. But overnight, the only thing that happens is when you have an emotional owner who goes against your plan. The only time organizations make rash decisions is when owners make them because owners are far less inclined to follow a plan. They're far less inclined to have anything other than recency bias. By definition, the last thing they see, the last thing they've heard, that's what they take to be true. And your job as a president and GM is to try to get your owner away from that. Or if your coach is acting that way, you need a new coach. If your GM is acting that way, you need a new GM. Because it's crushing when you're building something, whether it's a business or a team, to have recency bias. Absolutely crushing. If you ask me like my top five things that cause failure in business, recency bias is in the top five, but it's, on, it's even more. It's on the podium. Because think about it. When something goes well, all of a sudden you can say, hey, all the things that I thought were wrong with this business, the fundamentals that I saw deteriorating, it's all good. Look at this day of sales we had, or look at this week, or even this month. And then you say, we're going to expand. 
or when you had a plan, you've been doing the three-year plan for what you're doing in your life or your company. But how many, how many, by the way, side note, how many of you use recency bias in your personal lives? Man, I was not going well, but hey, slump buster, boom, ready to roll. Things are great. I didn't get the raise I wanted at work last year, but I got it this year. Now I'm really happy. I really don't like who I work with, but God, that was a fun night last night. I'm going to stick it out. So Robert Sala yesterday says one thing, and today, well, two days ago and yesterday, if we're going to be perfect on this, Zach Wilson's benched. He went from not wavering a month ago. Now he's benched, but then he gives a quote that we're not wavering. Zach Wilson is our future. Huh? How do you allow your coach to say the following things? Zach's career here is not over. I know that's going to be the narrative, and I know that's what everybody wants to shout out, but that's not even close to the case. Side note, Robert, when you're talking, just a quickie, when you're in an argument or when you're trying to convince somebody of something and they say something to you and you say, you're not even close, they're close. That's why we don't say like the verbal tick, don't say to be honest, or honestly, I don't know what we're doing tonight. Horse hockey, you know exactly what you're doing tonight. Don't ever say honestly or to be honest because that means when you don't say it, you're probably lying. So don't even say it, something that's not even close to the case. Like when in an argument about something and somebody calls you out and you say, oh, you're not even close. Ooh, are you sure? That's the whole Shakespeare quote, thou doth protest too much. The full intent, he continued, is to make sure Zach gets back on the football field this season. Oh, I, I, I forgot. Is he hurt? No. Then what does that mean that's your full intent? Does that mean that you assume the quarterback you named as your starting quarterback for this week, Mike White, will not perform to the major league level, to the professional football league level, and you're going to have to make another quarterback change? Or what if Mike White does perform then are you not going to bring Zach Wilson back? But you intended to, but you didn't expect his successor to play so well. That's not showing leadership or plan. This is not him rehabbing from an injury. The full intent is to make sure Zach gets back on the football field this season. But then he describes the reason for the benching. This is good. There are some basic fundamental things that have gotten really out of whack for him. Maybe he holds his hands incorrectly under center. This is me speculating. Maybe when he drops back two steps, he puts the ball in the wrong hand. So when he throws the ball, it's coming out of his off hand. Maybe he turns left when the handoff is to the right. Maybe he fundamentally doesn't look at the right wrist or hear the right play. Salah continues, this is just an opportunity for him to sit back, focus on those things, and find a way to reconnect with all the different things we fell in love with during the draft process. This is good. So when you fall in love with in the draft process, you fall in love with hope. You fall in love with physicality. So he's still going to be, what, what is he, Coca, 6'5", 220? I'm making that up, but that seems like the size of a quarterback. Well, some quarterbacks. That's not a fundamental, right? Your size and weight, that's just sort of what you are. Unless you go full McDonald's and gain weight or something or do steroids and get muscle. But pretty much that's what you are. 
So the other fundamental things that have gotten out of whack that he can sit back and change, what exactly do we think those could be in a player? Is that like when we tell a player, we want a player, this is what we do, it's so ridiculous and we're lying so badly to you, I'm so sorry. Hey, we're sending this guy out, we want him to find his swing again. Or Justin Verlander said when he got shelled in a game, he said, I went into the bullpen and I had to find my release point again. I had to tweak my mechanics and I did it and I'm ready to roll. <laughs> Wilson's only 6'2", sorry. Maybe that's, is that the regular size for a quarterback? 6'5", maybe too tall? Anyway, that's not how it works. When you bench a player, they don't all of a sudden find Jesus. They don't go into the football cage or on the practice field without the first team jersey on and say, oh, my footwork was off. I got this. This is based on his performance over a period of time. He's in his second year. He's had enough bad games where the Jets said, we need someone else. He does not give us the best chance to win right now. If the person who replaces him gives them a better chance to win and they actually do win, then he's going to be Wally Pipped, Zach Wilson. That's an expression when Lou Gehrig only started playing baseball and got a starting job when a guy named Wally Pipp got hurt. Lou Gehrig goes in to play for the Yankees and then plays for 25 or 2,600 games in a row. So the expression is, you've been Wally Pipped. That means if you don't go to work and someone goes to work in your place and does your job better than you did it, you may never get your job back. Is that why we're working on Thanksgiving? Because we don't want to be pipped? It's not impossible. Isn't it wavering when you bench a player? If he's your franchise quarterback, don't you take a seven for 18 for 80 yards and just say, wow, that's a bad game. That's like going two for 18 as a rookie. Do you all of a sudden not play the rookie in the NBA? Or going 0 for 20 in a four-game series. Yeah, we're wavering now. We're going to send him down. The Jets are just a disaster to me. They're six and four. They're trending the wrong way. And the way they announce this quarterback change is just horrific. It's not going to work out. I promise you that. So when you, the other topic I wanted to quickly mention here is baseball is supposed to be the sport where you are, as a fan, supposed to give a team a break for the draft. Because when we draft players, they're not going to be big leaguers for years. And in the Major League Baseball draft, if you go 50%, you're doing well. And that's for first rounders. Forget like fourth and fifth rounders. I'm talking top of the draft people. If they become productive major leaguers, productive, then you've done well. But fans, correctly so, which always has bothered baseball, but fans don't hold teams accountable in the MLB draft the way they do in the NFL draft. Now, conversely, that's why the NFL draft is such a major event that baseball was never able to copy. That's why it gets such a good rating. That's why it gets so many pregame shows and postgame shows and mock drafts. How many mock drafts do you see in baseball? Like you sit around and turn on CBS and see mock draft, new draft order, new draft rankings. You don't see it. But in football, the reason you see it is not because everyone loves college football and everyone's heard of these players. No, it's because these players you draft are supposed to help your team Akshav right now. In 2021, do you remember all of the quarterbacks drafted in that draft? 
And this was following COVID, remember? So the draft after COVID. And this draft was full of QBs. Remember um, the long blonde haired guy, Trevor Lawrence, who plays for the, the London Jaguars. You had Zach Wilson, the Jets six foot two guy. Trey Lance of the Niners, who's been replaced because of injury by Jimmy G. Justin Fields, the guy who rushes and passes for touchdowns. I think he has rushed and passed for a touchdown in three straight games, some sort of tying of a record, just something phenomenal. And then, of course, you had Tom Brady's replacement, Mac Jones. How have this, how's this draft class been, would you say? I think we, we could bring in Danny Cannell and ask him. We could ask Coca. Trevor Lawrence has been fine, right? Certainly not a superstar quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. He's been fine. Zach Wilson, below average, now benched. Trey Lance has played a total of eight games. Hasn't worked out, been injured, but there's potential. Justin Fields is playing for a team that has not performed outstandingly well in the Chicago Bears, but he's got a chance to be a difference maker. And then Mac Jones, what do you say about Mac Jones? First they benched him, then he got hurt. The Patriots, it's not easy to come after Tom Brady, right? It's gonna be very difficult to be who the Patriots would want. But by the way, the Patriots who are playing today have been able to recover quite nicely. All the Belichick versus Brady situations last year. Oh, Belichick needed Brady. Brady won a Super Bowl. Well, Brady got a little older, so did Belichick. But meanwhile, the Patriots are playing better than the Buccaneers. The purpose of this is to say to you, when you've got a draft and it doesn't work the way you wanted and you're in the NFL, people lose jobs over that. It takes years of bad drafting in baseball to move on from your scouting director or your player development people, your amateur scouts, because it's so much harder to identify and project talent. So much harder. All right, so it's Thanksgiving. Hello, everybody. I hope everyone's feeling well. I went to an EMO concert yesterday, last night. So I thought it was EMO, right? Turns out it's emo. I thought EMO stood for Electronic Music Organization because ELO is Electronic Electric Light Orchestra. So I went to this. I wore like a hoodie. I wore a toque, getting ready to dance. I know I had a show early in the morning, so I didn't stay the whole time, but I did stay later than maybe I should have, having been sick this entire week, not sure what I was doing other than dancing. I love dancing. So I was struck by the fact that the amount of screaming and singing by the group there. And I did not, I mean, I brought the average age up quite obviously, but there were plenty of people my age, but a lot of younger people, a lot of people who dressed gothically and some dressed preppy, some dressed um, scantily. It was an, an interesting group of people all just enjoying these, these anthems of misery and anger and frustration and it's i wanted to wait for the next song like we're not gonna take it no we're not gonna take it but that's not emo so i have no idea why we were talking about that actually oh because i wanted to tell you what i was doing last night in case you're on youtube nothing personal with david sampson and you happen to notice a few bags under the old les yeux that's Y-E-U-O-X for those non-Francophiles. That means eyes. I do have some bags. Not like Van Gundy bags, but enough that I need to go back to sleep after this. 
So on Thanksgiving, we want to do something, and we're going to start it right now. It's going to be called our Turkey of the Year because it's Thanksgiving. So this is, you don't say the first annual. You only say the second annual. Little nugget there. There's no such thing as the first annual turkey trot race or the first annual Turkey of the Year award. It's called the inaugural. Next year, if we do it, when we do it, if we do it, I'm a when, Coke is an if, we'll see how the segment goes. Then it becomes the second annual. Inaugural, second annual. Here we go. The inaugural Turkey of the Year. So to do this, I went back from January to November. I went over shows that we had done. I went over things that had happened. There were candidates. Trevor Bauer was a candidate. You'll know why he didn't win in a minute. There are teams, individuals. Derek Jeter was a candidate to be a turkey of the year. But I am pleased to announce that in a final vote of one to nothing, (laughs) how great is it that you can win something with a vote of one to nothing? That's when you know you've made it, right? When you don't need to say, hey, honey, where do you want to go to eat? Or, oh, do you want to see this movie? Or what do you want to watch? Who do you want to be with? What, what's the vote? Let's take a vote. All right, everybody, let's say, listen, I'm all into democracy, but man, a one nothing vote feels good. With the final vote of one, the field got none. The inaugural nothing personal turkey of the year, FIFA. Now, ironically, should we have played music for that, Coco? Like, like, is there a button you can press where you can go, dun, da, 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 dun, 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 FIFA, 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 Las Vegas. Now, are you going to accuse me of recency bias because the World Cup's going on right now? Are you going to accuse me of the very thing that I told you you have to avoid when you're making decisions? I like where your head's at. You should accuse me of that. And let me explain to you why this is not recency bias. Why FIFA did not win Turkey of the Year through its actions of the last day or week or month. They won Turkey of the Year because they've been the biggest turkey every single month of this year. And there's no other candidate who came close to that. There have been individual turkeys who are turkeys for a period of time. But the only one who makes a lifetime turkey, like a lifetime zero, is Jack Todd in Montreal, right? You have to to earn the right to be a lifetime zero. I mean, that takes years, years. FIFA may be the inaugural member of the Turkey of the Year Hall of Fame. I'm sitting here watching. Yes, I'm watching four games a day. I'm watching at 5 a.m. and then after the show at 8 a.m., then at 11 a.m., then at 2 p.m. every day. I'm watching. I have only heard of some of the players on some of the teams, but I'm intoxicated by it because of the nature of being a part of what billions of people are watching around the country, around the world, excuse me. Did a podcast, Coco, with John Skipper on a Lebitard podcast that came out, I don't know, yesterday. And Skipper pointed out some numbers about the World Cup that I was not aware of, that every single World Cup game, even the crappy group stage between two teams that have no shot at it, the audience for that is bigger than a Super Bowl audience. Puts that into perspective, doesn't it? 
So I'm watching and I'm learning about the game and I'm learning about offsides and I'm learning about all the interesting things about substitutions and yellow cards and red cards and I'm looking at set pieces. I never thought I'd say the word set piece. I'm broadening the horizons of my sports knowledge for football. And I keep thinking to myself, I have no principles because I so badly wanted to not watch the World Cup because of Qatar, because of their bribes, because of the criminality that is associated and is ingrained in FIFA, regardless of what their new president says, Infantini. And this is not just because I watched FIFA uncover the documentary and reviewed it for you two weeks ago. This has been going on since FIFA awarded the, game, the World Cup to Russia and to Qatar back in 2009. It's not just because this year we had some sort of awakening about tolerance and inclusion and hate. This is a group of men, and maybe there's a woman or two, and FIFA, they act like a fiefdom. They basically take money, they secrete it away, put it in their pockets, and then it's not enough, then they get more from a different country around the world every single time. You think Qatar is the only time they've been bribed or Russia? Give me a break. What do we think the US and Canada and Mexico offered FIFA? Nothing? Do you think that was a clean bid because they made up for the dirty bid of Russia and Qatar? So they wanted to make sure. Although, is it possible that USA had no one else to bid against? Huh, I wonder how that worked. FIFA, you win. The inaugural, nothing personal turkey of the year, FIFA. Yet, truthfully, they win everything because we're watching. All right, we come back. We're going to review a movie with Allison Janney, who I love from the West Wing and tons of other stuff that she's done, and Ben Platt and Kristen Bell. You know the movie. It's called The People We Hate at the Wedding. Don't go away. You'll want to hear the review. And then we're going to wonder how in the hell anyone would pick the San Antonio Spurs. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens. And that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you for rating and reviewing and telling your friends about Nothing Personal. Get on YouTube. Please subscribe, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. We get to 15,000 subscribers. We will do a giveaway. We are above 10 now. We did a giveaway at 10, but we're going to do another one at 15. So just hit subscribe. I know it's easy to watch the videos without hitting subscribe, but for whatever reason, in order to monetize it, because Coca, it's, it's Christmas time, and all I want for Christmas is for Coca to have a good Christmas, hit subscribe. So you know I watch a movie every day, or a TV show, have been doing that forever, and we review one every day. Coca, people would like to have access to our picks of the day and our record over the course of the 703 shows and our movies that we've reviewed. Is there a way to make public a document where people would not have the ability to go in it, but they'd have the ability to see it? And the answer is yes. It's been public for a year, folks. Stop asking me. It is public. Where can you find it, Coca? Where do you want me to tell them? I mean, like in the National Archives? It's been tweeted. So go on my Twitter, David P. Sampson. And we're going to tweet it again. So, but we don't tweet it every day. So you can't look at the Twitter and see what we reviewed in the last since we tweeted, right? So it's not a living document. I bet you that if we had any IT support at all, if it weren't just you and I making our dreams together. Oh, it is a living document. <laughs> don't get mad. Don't get angry. I'm tired. My ears are still ringing. We're not boys. Wait, that's not the song. What's that song? We're not something. E-M-O. I'm feeling a little E-M-O. So I watch a movie. I'm a little emotional. You know, on Thanksgiving, you're supposed to give thanks, and it's not really Thanksgiving because it's celebrating something that may not be very nice. I mean, did, did the Native Americans really want to have Thanksgiving? Is that really like a holiday that they celebrate? So I sort of change it to gratification day. I feel very thankful. Everyone's got stuff not to be thankful for. That's okay. But I think it's a day where you're supposed to focus on what you are thankful for. There's plenty of days that you can wallow in self-pity and depression and woe is me. Why not me? Why not now? I think today's a day where you're supposed to be as positive as possible. That's what I view as Thanksgiving. That's why I wish it were not a day of eating so much because by definition, everyone leaves the Thanksgiving table not feeling good about themselves. I think the best way to feel good about yourselves, I think we have it right. I have it right as a member of the Jewish people. Like Yom Kippur is our most significant serious holiday where you don't eat all day and you atone for all your sins and you get forgiven. It's like a year's worth of confessions in one day. And so you don't eat. 
so you don't feel like you're bloated or anything. And then you get redeemed for all the bad stuff you've done. And God knows I ain't the only one. Every one of us does bad stuff throughout the year. Can you imagine if a camera were following you all year long, everything you did 24 hours a day, tell me that you are not in violation of something over 365 and a quarter. That is the number of days in the year, 365 and a quarter days. That's why leap years every four days, because they don't want to add a quarter of a day every year. One full rotation around the sun is 365 and a quarter. Anyway, so you then have a little deli. We have some bagels, some some corned beef, just something light so you don't feel bloated and ruin how good you felt all day by casting away your sins. Thanksgiving, we're supposed to be thankful for stuff and think about things, yet we aren't thankful for ourselves because we view ourselves as not having discipline. And then we say, but it's the holiday season, quote unquote. So I'm going to not be disciplined. But after the holidays, I'm going to join that gym. I'm going to feel better about myself. I'm going to put those button flies 501s back on my body. I'm going to fit back into those size 29s. Are you the type of person who when your clothes don't fit, you give them away because you don't want to be reminded or do you keep them as aspirational? I'm the kind who keeps clothes from when I was thin for aspirational reasons. And every once in a while, I look at them in the closet and I get reminded of how I want to be and how I'm not being. Anyway, I'm very thankful for this audience. I'm thankful not in any particular order for my family, for my friends. And I don't mean that in such a corny way, right? I'm thankful for connections. That's really what I want. And what I crave is connections. I'm thankful for you, Coca. I really am. This show would absolutely suck without Matthew Coca. You guys have no idea. He's totally behind the scenes. He's so much cooler than I am that he makes me look a quarter cool, which means he has to be one and three quarters cool because he has to give all that cool away. He's never going and willing to go below par, but he's willing to send some cool downstream my way, which is why he wanted me to point out to you before we leave today, it's called emo, not E-M-O. West Wing is a series that I love. I watched it, I wanna say during the pandemic or before the pandemic, and I'd not seen it before and I watched it start to finish and it's just brilliant, Aaron Sorkin, brilliant. He predicted things that were gonna happen and did episodes about them in very interesting ways. A perfect cast. I even got used to Rob Lowe being a serious and smart character. Alice and Janney played the, oh God, what is it called when you are um, in front of the media every day? Coca, I'm having a moment. It's the not the media representative. It's called some press secretary. Golly. I had to go to a file card for that one in my rotting brain. She played the press secretary to the president at first and then graduated to other positions throughout West Wing. Great actress. So I see on Amazon, for whatever reason, Amazon is using Twitter and various other things to promote their new movies. And when you have a new movie, and we talked about this with uh, like Ryan Reynolds doing a movie, you're gonna watch it. We talked about it yesterday with Spirited with Will Ferrell. When you have Allison Janney and Kristen Bell and Ben Platt, I'm gonna watch the movie. I'm a Ben Platt fan from Dear Evan Hansen. I got to see him on Broadway. Yes, look at me, David. Incredibly talented, incredibly who has an amazing, amazing mother and father. Shout out to them. You know who you are. 
Kristen Bell, I've enjoyed in not as Dax, Dax Shepard's wife by any stretch. I've enjoyed her in every one of the movies she's made. There's something about the character she plays, not a ton of range by any stretch, but enough that I enjoy watching her. You put those three in a movie, and it's a new movie on Amazon, and it's not 1999. It comes with Amazon Prime. I'm hitting play. The People We Hate at the Wedding is about your crazy cousin, Lou. Somebody who goes to family events and who you get to dismiss because, right, they are inappropriate toward band members or toward the, the bar mitzvah fluffers who are trying to get the kids all, all going. Or they're stuffing food into their pocketbooks or pants. Or they hop into every picture. Or they're inappropriate in whatever way. There's always those people at a wedding. They're the ones who you gossip about. My God, do you know how close to white that is? How dare she? So there's always people you hate at the wedding. And what if you had the ability to recognize that you're that person? The whole definition of being that person is not having the self-awareness to know you're that person. That's the creepy part about it. But this movie is about a mother, Alison Janney, her two children, Ben Platt and Kristen Bell, and they're going to the wedding of her third child, who's a half sibling of Ben and Kristen because mom was married to a couple guys, yada, yada, yada. They're those people. And I didn't want to like the movie and it started slowly and I wasn't laughing. But then all of a sudden, I got emo. The people we hate at the wedding. Give it a try. By the end, the payoff is worth it. It'll be predictable, you'll understand it. You will have said, that's probably not realistic, but then you're gonna smile. And on Thanksgiving, why not do all of those things? Why not be the person you say you wanna be? I'm gonna be nicer this year, I'm gonna work out this year, whatever I'm gonna do, be that person starting today. It's called The People We Hate at the Wedding. 133 and 112, Coca yelled at me last night after the Spurs got their ass kicked by the Pelicans. And he said, what is wrong with you? Why would you choose the Spurs? And I said, because I thought six and a half was enough. And he said to me, 19 would have given you the push. That's a loss. 133 and 112. What do you associate Thanksgiving with? Do you associate it with basketball? Do you associate it with baseball? Trades? Or do you associate it with the NFL? The NFL is trying to take over Thanksgiving this year and they're none too happy. They got to deal with World Cup. There will be a two o'clock World Cup, World Cup game that will be in the middle of a football game. It's going to be fascinating to see what you choose. Are you going to watch World Cup at your Thanksgiving meal or are you going to watch the NFL? The NFL started my whole life. There was a one o'clock game and a four o'clock game. That's how it was. And it was always Lions and Cowboys. The NFL has added a third game to Thanksgiving because of course they have. When you wonder why there are games on Thursday night, why they're starting next year gonna have games tomorrow on Black Friday, which for the love of me, I can't figure out why it's called that. Someone told me tomorrow's Black Friday, which means that companies do so much business retail or online that they're red all throughout the year, which means they're not profitable. And then one day they turn into the black, meaning they become profitable. It doesn't mean they have a profitable day, 
And that's why it's Black Friday, because you have to have other profitable days, you'd be out of business. So it must mean they've become profitable that particular day for the whole year. That's a lot of pressure on one day, isn't it? Maybe that's why I'm getting emails from places I've unsubscribed to. Hey, out there, if you run one of those companies who keeps sending me emails after I've unsubscribed, there's not one thing I can do about it. I'm not calling the Better Business Bureau. And I don't like going and toggling down and hitting unsubscribe every time. Please give me a reason. I don't want to give you a reason. I don't want the freaking emails. Isn't that reason enough? Would you like to receive some of our specials, but not every day? No. I'll let you know. Now, the reason I get all the emails is I'm a total PT Barnum. I'm the reason he came up with the line of sucker born every minute. I see a, oh, that looks like the best travel suitcase ever. I'm in. Look at how great that is. And then it comes and you're like, oh, crap. I can't even fit my laptop in it where I want to put it because it's a hard shell and I have to open it. And the zippers don't open the way they do on the YouTube video that I saw through Instagram. And now that I bought it, I get a thousand different travel suitcases, each of which looks better than the last. Sorry, kids, when you're going through my stuff in 10, 20, 30, 40, or I hope 70 years, there's going to be a lot of travel suitcases to put all the crap that you're going to throw in the dumpster. Three football games. I got three picks for you. First, we start with the Bills and the Lions. The Lions are coming off a crushing of the New York Giants. There's going to be a theme here. When you are a team that beats a bad team, that doesn't make you a good team. Don't get suckered into thinking that the Lions should only be getting nine and a half points from the Bills because of what they did to the Giants. Don't worry. Bills, nine and a half over Lions. Then we get to watch Cowboys-Giants for all the Giants fans out there. Game over. Everything was good with your Giants. Playing well. You're all waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's dropped. Cowboys coming off that crazy road victory over Minnesota when they beat him 40 to three. I think their biggest road win ever as a franchise. Any other opponent other than the Giants, I would have said B-O-L, beware of letdown. Cowboys do not get let down on Thanksgiving against the Giants. Cowboys, a full 10 points over the Giants. It sounds rich, I think it's poor. I don't know if you know this, but after the show, I'm taking off the blazer and I'm putting on pads and a jersey. I am starting on the offensive line for the New York Giants today. They did an APB out. Anyone in the industry, you can be 5'5", five, five, a buck 35. You can be 6'2", 500. I don't care. We need offensive linemen. That's what the Giants are saying. Cowboys 10 over the Giants. Then the third game, the aforementioned Vikings. It's very strange right? The Lions crush the Giants. They're both playing. The Cowboys crush the Vikings. They're both playing. The Patriots walked off the Jets. They're getting two and a half points against the Vikings. This is the greatest sucker bet of all time. How do you not take the Vikings giving two and a half? Coca, can you please confirm to me something? Aren't the Vikings playing at home? I believe they are. Or are they on the road? It's 50-50. We could look right now. We could take just one minute. I think you can find it. But the reason why it's a sucker line, the Vikings are at home. They were 8-1, and one, Super Bowl bound. Everyone excited about them. 
They lose to the Cowboys. Now they're only giving two and a half points to the Jets. Take the Vikings. Nope. That's the sucker bet. I'm taking the points. Patriots plus two and a half versus the Vikings because I am much more apt to bet that the Vikings record was as paper thin as the Giants record and maybe even as the Jets record. That's Bills nine and a half over Lions. Let's watch it. Cowboys 10 over the Giants. We're going to watch that for sure. Patriots plus two and a half over the Vikings. And that's tonight as we head into Black Friday. Guess where we're going to be for Black Friday? Right here. We should do like a Black Friday thing, Coca, in order to put our show into the black. Maybe we could do like a giveaway tomorrow. Maybe we should do something live, like on YouTube. Should we do like a live show tomorrow? All right. We'll talk about it later. Sorry. Oh, you want me to do that now? What do you want me to promote? The um the pod? Okay. This is Nothing Personal with David Sampson. You can find it wherever you get your podcast platforms. And go on YouTube, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Have a safe Thanksgiving. Use Uber. Don't drink and drive. Wear elastic pants. Say no the final time to food when you say one more. And above all, when it comes to connections, don't waver. It's just business. This is Nothing Personal. 